You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's Recode Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Amazon first introduced free two-day shipping when it rolled out Amazon Prime back in 2005. And today, it's hard to imagine Amazon without it. But convenience, as we know, comes with a cost. And as Amazon's power grew, so did its influence. So now, competing retail giants like Walmart and Target are forced to follow the Amazon productivity model. Today's guest, Jason Del Rey, a senior correspondent for Recode, is here to talk about what this means for the rest of America. Amazon is the most influential employer in this country right now for two main reasons. First is it has over 1.1 million direct employees across its, its offices, but mostly its 800 plus warehouse facilities. And at, at its current hiring rate, it would surpass Walmart as the largest employer in the U.S. in the next few years. But its influence goes beyond direct employees. It has partners and competitors who are either forced to or choose to emulate its labor practices as well, meaning that Amazon really is affecting, I'd say, millions of Americans and how they do their jobs on a daily basis. Well, we know that other retail giants like Walmart and Target have been hiring Amazon logistics execs for years to consult on their productivity and workflow. So does that mean that one day all of our stores will be modeled off of Amazon? I think what Amazon has set the bar on is convenience. And so every other retailer is trying to figure out how they match or come close to matching that convenience. Behind the scenes, that means increasing worker productivity. And Amazon is the leader in that regard. So while the stores themselves may not look like Amazon, behind the scenes, more and more of the workflows and practices, I think very much will mimic how Amazon runs its workforce. So Amazon basically revolutionized the industry because they were able to sharply increase worker productivity. Over the past decade, Amazon has added more and more robots to its warehouses since it purchased a company called Kiva back in 2012. On one hand, these robots reduce the demands on workers because they carry products to the workers instead of workers having to walk 12, 15 miles a day to pick out merchandise off shelves themselves. On the flip side, this means that worker quotas or what Amazon calls their rate have drastically increased. And so that's a trade-off of repetition and in some cases boredom that workers now face um, with the advent of these robotic warehouses. Amazon will stress that they took away one of workers' major complaints from the old warehouses, which was 
too much walking on hard floors all day long, you know, the equivalent of 12, 15 miles a day. Now, though, there is so much repetition and speed in the work when workers are standing still with the goods coming to them over and over and over again, that we're seeing high injury rates that come from this repetition. So we're talking about sprains, strains. I talked to one worker who's worked there seven years and he now has bad tendinitis in his forearms. He wears compression sleeves, puts on lidocaine and CBD cream just to be able to get through sort of his worst work days. Well, how does Amazon respond to this? How do they continue to keep that fast pace with such high injury rates? Are they doing anything to increase employee safety? Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I've covered Amazon a long time, so I get to see sort of how their responses change over time. Years ago, they used to say, well, our injury rates are higher than the average or our peers because we are more aggressive at recording injuries than our peers are. Hmm. And that sort of sounded, I don't know, maybe like spin, but maybe plausible. Except as you talk to safety employees who've worked at Amazon, and I did for this piece, you know, this one gentleman, for example, tells me he used to get pressure not to refer Amazon employees who were injured out to other doctors. He wasn't talking about sort of drastic, you know, really life-threatening injuries. He's talking about sprains and strains and things like that. And he said his managers would pressure him to tell employees, we can treat this here in the facility. You don't need to go see a doctor. And his understanding was the reason why that pressure was coming is because any injury that's referred out becomes a recordable industry. Long story short, his accounts and other accounts that I've read in other reporting over the years don't make it seem very accurate that Amazon is more aggressive at recording injuries. If anything, they might be less aggressive, as his anecdotes would would indicate. So Amazon's defense has now changed. Now they say, you shouldn't only compare our injury rates to warehouses, you should compare them to delivery and logistics company injury rates. And if you do that, well, we look like we're comparable, if not maybe better in some cases. You know, the problem is there's no company quite like Amazon. So any comparison sort of is is never direct uh, 100%. So let's switch gears slightly and talk about unions. There's been a lot happening this year with workers organizing. Can you walk me through the latest with Amazon? Basically, since its inception, Amazon has been notoriously anti-union, just like its biggest retail rival, Walmart. We've reported that back in the early 2000s, some HR workers would make Excel spreadsheets with the most at-risk facilities for unionization. And they looked at all sorts of metrics and then made these heat maps. And this stuff has only gotten fancier and more tech-driven inside of Amazon over time. They are deathly afraid of unionization because they fear it will make the flexibility that they think they need in their workforce and in their work environments stricter, and that will impact their customer promises. What we've seen in the last few years, driven by sort of pandemic working conditions, is more and more workers speaking out and trying to organize their facilities. 2020, we had Chris Smalls, a worker in, in Staten Island, 
New York lead a walkout and Amazon later fired him, which looks really, really dumb in retrospect and sort of made him a focal point of media coverage and also just um, sympathy inside Amazon warehouses. And long story short, um, this past April, a union he created with other workers just won a very important vote at a Staten Island Amazon warehouse, um, which, if it is finalized, would make that facility the first unionized Amazon facility in the U.S. ever. There was also a recent election at a Bessemer, Alabama Amazon facility. Uh, This was a redo election after Amazon was deemed to have interfered with the election last year. And currently, this vote is not over because there's hundreds of contested ballots that need to be scrutinized before we know whether Amazon wins that election or the union does. Beyond that, you know, we're about to have another union vote at a different Staten Island, New York, Amazon facility. And so there's real momentum here. And once one of these facilities is unionized, I don't know that Amazon will be able to turn the page back and stop momentum at other facilities around the country. So has the company changed strategies? How are they responding to to this vote on Staten Island? So Amazon is contesting the vote. Um, They believe both the union and actually the National Labor Board sort of interfered or took part in improper actions that interfered with the integrity of this election. So they're contesting it. I I don't see them, based on their history, rolling over and and letting this happen easily. You know, the union in Staten Island, even if the vote is finalized, they will have a long, hard road to negotiating a first contract. And so it is still a somewhat uphill battle. But if you would have told me, a person who's covered the company for nine years, even a few years ago, that we would see a winning union election in an Amazon facility in the U.S., I I probably wouldn't have believed it. And so this has been sort of a momentous turn of events. What does Amazon do if this facility unionizes and the next one in Staten Island does too? They'll continue to harp on the pay and benefits that they offer employees, which is better than some comparable non-union employers in the retail industry and logistics industry. They'll continue to spend money trying to make the work safer inside their facilities. You know, they are capable with their technology and just, you know, bank account to make this work safer. And new CEO Andy Jassy has vowed that he's going to try to do so. Jeff Bezos, before he stepped aside as CEO, said their new mission to become Earth's best employer and Earth's safest place to work. All of that said, I am just skeptical based on their history that they will put safety and sort of the work life of their frontline workforce as the number one priority unless it impacts in a negative way what customers are experiencing with their services. And so what happens with this push and pull between productivity and safety and working conditions inside Amazon, I think will speak to what the working lives of lots of Americans will end up being who work for competitors and partners over the next few years. So what does 
this mean for retail employees elsewhere? You know, we don't know yet how successful the union push at Amazon is going to be. But as other companies are trying to adopt some of Amazon's productivity practices, what is the attention being paid to Amazon's model mean for the rest of retail? Yeah, I mean, I think for one, you're definitely going to see more organization attempts inside other Amazon facilities. Like I said, there's more than 800 in U.S. alone. The challenge for workers trying to organize is they basically have to go one by one because of labor law. So they can't just, you know, organize one facility and suddenly Amazon's a union shop across the board. But we'll see more attempts. That's for sure going to happen. I think we're going to also see workers inside companies like Walmart, like other big retailers that are not unionized, think long and hard about whether they may have a shot at getting more of a say in their work life by organizing now that it's been deemed a possibility inside Amazon. So there's some hope there if you're a fan of unions and workers having a bigger voice that this is just a tipping point that will you know, lead to better working conditions across the board. The flip side is, if what happens in Staten Island doesn't go much further, if Amazon stalls on and negotiating a, a first union contract, you know, it could be um, discouraging to workers even thinking about trying to organize at other at other retailers. And so I, you know, I try not to overemphasize the importance of any one moment in time inside of Amazon because, you know, things change very quickly. But I really think we're living in a time where what happens over the next few months, the next year inside of Amazon with their relationship with their workforce will have profound impacts on retailers and logistics companies that see Amazon as a model uh, for how to build a successful, fast-growing American company. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Adam. This episode was produced and engineered by Sophie Lalonde. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.